Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Welcome to and that's why we drink. Woo! Oh my god, we did it! <laughs> I really thought we were gonna fuck that up. I'm surprised we didn't. Is that how we're just gonna start every one of these? Probably not. I hope not, because <laughs> that's not gonna go over so well. So this is uh, and that's why we drink. Guest starring Geo today. It makes us sound really professional when you yeah. can hear the ambient sounds. Yeah, he's pitter pattering around our recording studio. <laughs> Your table full of wine that we have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, well I'm uh, I'm Christine. I'm M. You said that so <laughs> defeated. I was gonna try and do something clever and it didn't work out. Yeah, and I already told you this um, earlier, but my cousin is doing a research topic now on Christine Miller from what was it again? Jonestown. Yes! From, our, from our first episode. I'm so proud. I know. What's your cousin's name? Megan. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for listening and for liking my, my little factoid. <laughs> Someone appreciated your extra research on I Christine like, Miller. I feel like I'm finally being like productive in my life, <laughs> helping you with your school project. We've gotten, we've gotten a lot of love from people. Yeah, and we really, really, really appreciate it. So thank you all. I'm just impressed someone besides our parents listened. I know. I can't believe it. We were so self-deprecating in the first episode because we, <laughs> we really thought we had four fans. I really I really thought it was just going to be our moms. Yeah. And then there was a couple more than that. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah. We're doing good. Thanks, guys. So what are you drinking tonight? So tonight, More Cabernet per usual? Or? Actually, this week, I, uh, I actually <laughs> strayed from the usual and switched from my box Cabernet to my box Chiraz. Uh-huh. Um, so Trader Joe's sells two boxed reds. The, yep, I had the Cabernet last week. The Shiraz is actually my favorite. So we've got a... Uh, it's hard to believe that that's your favorite when all you do is drink Cabernet. Yeah, you know. Whatever, I'm going to believe you. I'm full of surprises. I'm. want to ask what I'm drinking? Or is this all me at this point? All I want to know is what you're drinking. Okay, well, it's um a, actually a pretty shitty strawberry milkshake. Is it bad? It's not bad. It's just you can tell it's... You just said it was shitty. Well... It was shitty quality. You can tell it was made in about 30 seconds without real ingredients. That's sad. It tastes good. It just tastes fake. 
That's it's like the the syrup they add to the mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you taste like Nesquik powder. It's strawberry milkshake for the record. I do like strawberry that Nesquik strawberry stuff. I do, but I like it as milk. But right, not, not as milkshake. milkshake. Yeah, I'm gonna get through it. It's fine. All right, I'm I'm making my way. I believe in you. So what's going on in the world? Ugh. Are you drinking for any particular listen, reason? Listen, listen. Why are we I, drinking? This is why I'm drinking, and I have this is why it's not even really specifically this week. Although I have been watching a lot of HGTV. And sometimes they do Los Angeles episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just, like, been on my brain that I'm living in L.A. now. I'm in this, like, pretty small apartment. It's not small. They, it's, she has a nice apartment. It's a nice apartment, but, like, it's for three people. It's not, like, for long term. You know, it's not, like, in ten years that I hope to be living here. True, but your apartment is the most, is the closest to, hey, Joe, is the closest to looking like a home out of any of the apartments well, I've been to. That is really sweet. I Everyone a, else I know, including myself, is living in shambles. Listen, I am unemployed, and therefore I have a lot of time on my hands <laughs> to quote-unquote decorate. And I'm employed, which means every time I come to my apartment, I don't have time to clean because right. I get home so late. So it's not anyone's fault because I have... I look like I'm homeless. You look like you've built a house. No. Yeah. We're sitting in a real-life kitchen right now. That's true. <clears throat> With that's, a real-life dog. That's about as much as I've accomplished in my 25 years. I don't have a dog. <sighs> Well, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> Sorry, Gio. Plug your ears. Uh, so anyway, I saw that the av- the median home price for a house in Los Angeles is $600,000, which Yikes. is like, I think in Ohio, it's like 120. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot, lot, lot. And that's for, I mean, there are some houses in this neighborhood. They're like kind of run down, but they're kind of cute. And I'm like, oh, that'd be a nice starter home. And then I looked them up on Redfin or Zillow and they're like $1.2 million. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll never afford that. You know, anyway. I, I mean, depending on where you live, though, like, it's so different. Like, when I first moved out here, I lived on a couch. Well, I lived on a couch with someone I didn't know, and I was still paying almost $1,000 for a broken couch. Like, it was a futon that didn't even fold in, out into a $1, bed. $1,000? It was 900 Oh, oh And it was a, a futon that didn't fold out, so I just had, like, a couch. And I just lived out of my suitcase on that couch. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome so, to LA. It's casual. <sighs> and that's why I drink this. Wow. Week. All of a sudden, that's why I drink sorry, too. Sorry. <laughs> really, <laughs> really just bummed me out. Bringing us down. Uh, why do you drink this week? Uh, I drink because, well, one thing I've been trying to lose weight and I haven't gained any weight. That's not the problem. That's good. Yeah. I mean, so I guess uh, I drink in a happy way, but I also, so when we started this podcast, I didn't realize how much work a podcast is. And so I didn't go to the gym all last week. Oh, oops. My yeah. Bad. And I try to run five miles a day, minimum. How do you do that? I scream cry. I can't do that. But people think I'm, when I tell people I run at least five miles a day, they think like I happily do that. And they're like, oh, well, we should go running together. And I'm like, oh no, you don't understand what I look like. Like I'm, I'm really like about to die when i was in third grade we had to read this book about the iditarod do you know what that is yes like the like the the huskies like yep. the the sled the sled racing. mushing yep. races and uh at the end of the book like their the favorite dog has run so much that his heart burst on the way to the finish line are you what at eight years old i had to learn That's read not about a, a dog's be. heart bursting and it was the little kid's best friend children should not read that basically i feel like that dog every day at and the gym i'm your best friend Right. And you're my dog that's going to have a... I think that was the first time you've ever called me your best friend. No, I said I'm your best friend. Oh. 
while you're assuming things. I just want to, like, <laughs> specify. We're in a place now. This is uh, awkward. You want to be my best friend? Come on. <laughs> anyway, that's why I drink. Listen, we're drinking tonight. How are you feeling about um, ghosts today? I'm feeling just already freaked out. I feel like all of this is going to my... All the murder and ghosts are going to my head, but I love it at the same time, you know? Yeah, I'm always nervous now about, like, if my roommate or someone, like... Like, today I did my research at... I stayed away from the Starbucks, and I went to a Panera, <laughs> and I was so nervous the whole time of people, like, looking at my tabs on my computer, because I just had, like, every tab was a new picture of a death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a bunch of serial killers bookmarked on my computer, so if any, if I die or go missing and someone looks at my... Right. Yeah. It's a bad look, but it's all for <laughs> What the is podcast. a reputation these days? <laughs> I do it all for the podcast. <laughs> Well, um, I have a story that I've wanted to tell since the beginning. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been ready my whole life. Oh, we also wanted to say before we get started that we are going, we've gotten some really great listener stories sent into us yes. at our email and that's why we drink at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some really awesome ones that are better than anything we can find on, on Wikipedia. Uh, so we are going to dedicate a whole episode to listener stories and that's yes. going to be coming up next. Every first of the month, right? we're going to be posting an episode that we didn't research at all. We're just taking listener stories. Right. We're sharing your stories over the air. So if you have anything... If you... Yeah. If any... And it doesn't just have to be ghosts for paranormal. If you have like an alien story, if you have like a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. if you've been murdered... Yeah, that's anything, a good one. Any good story. Or stalkers. Ooh, that's a good one. Um... Any anything that really would just make someone cringe, anything and you want us creepy. to talk about it? Yeah, give it to us. We're ready. It's uh, and that's why we drink at gmail dot com. Absolutely. So that being said, we are not getting into your stories today. Sorry, folks. Next yeah. week. Next week. <laughs> uh, so my story is one of my favorite famous hauntings. Sweet. Uh, it's the Amityville Horror. <gasps> yeah, that's like. The big one. I know, it is. Because I've before we ever did this podcast, I never shut up about it with oh, you. Oh, man. This is M's, like... This is my bread and butter. shining moment. I actually didn't even really need to, like, write notes. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I know. Yeah. It's memorized. I tried, to mem- I tried to, like, find something I didn't know, and I couldn't. So I, I, I did this mainly so I would stay on track. Got it. Okay. And I'm also hoping... I want to do it justice, but I also don't want to talk about it for hours. Sure. There's probably so much. So I'm just going to give you the the bare bones. Sup, Gio. He doesn't like me, guys, by the way. This is like the only dog who has an issue with me. Gio has an issue with everyone. I happen to be one of those people. But anyway, hopefully hopefully he likes the story, too. Uh, My dad grew up in Long Island. And so the first time I ever heard about the Amityville Horror House, he... It sounded like I said whorehouse. <laughs> Horror house. Um, when I first heard about it, I remember my dad always telling me that he lived like right next to the house, which I don't think is actually true. I think he was just trying to scare me. Spooky. But I'm going to tell everyone I know that he lives right next door, guys, and he saw the ghosts themselves. Oh, my good. All right. So the Amityville Horror, Horror, if you're from the New horror. York. Horror. Oh, the Horror. Please, oh just delete that part. <laughs> uh, all right, so it started in 1974 with the DeFeo family. 
You know about the Amityville Horror. I do. I watched like a the I, documentary you showed. showed I made me. you watch that. I made everyone watch that. Yeah, I watched that. It was creepy as fuck. <clears throat> Am I allowed to plug that? Am I allowed to? Yeah. On Hulu, if you have a Hulu account, there is a movie called My Amityville Horror instead of The Amityville Horror. And uh, it's one of the... There's a family <laughs> that's involved in, in The Amityville Horror House, and there were kids that are in, involved in the story. And one of the kids did a documentary now that he's like in his 50s, and he says everything that actually happened not just what like the movies and reenactments have said like he gave his account of it the okay so the defeo family uh in 1974 was a mom dad and five kids and the oldest one's name was ronald and he was 23 when this when the story began so they lived on 112 ocean avenue which if you wanted to gps that or walk to it or do whatever you want go for that there's your address and uh Ronnie, in November, I hadn't put the actual date, but November of 1974, at 3.15 in the morning, Ronnie takes a shotgun uh, out of their house, and he shoots his sleeping parents, then his two brothers, and then his two sisters. Jesus. And uh, then he leaves. One of, the, one of the stories is that he leaves and tosses his bloody clothes um, out of the house, like brings them somewhere else. And then he goes to work. Um, then after work, he goes to the bar and screams to the bartender and everyone there that his family's been murdered. And oh, boy. When the cops go and investigate the house, they find the actual weapon and the shotgun shells under his bed. Oh, great. So he wasn't, like, too slick about it. Sure. Um, and so he was taken in. He ended up confessing. Uh, he tried blaming it on a friend for, like, a second um, and he ended up confessing and saying that he doesn't remember doing it. He was possessed by, like, ghosts in the house that were making him do it. Oh, boy. And uh, so he's still in jail. I don't know if he died. I don't think he's... I don't think he died yet. But he is in jail 25 to life now. Oh, boy. Since then, he's still in jail. There's another story from one of the other millions of documentaries I've watched on what actually happened after he shot them. And his account when they've done interviews with him in jail is that he shot his whole family still really doesn't remember it and thinks he was possessed. And when he found out what he did, he tried to stow the gun away under his bed and then ran to his best friend's house to tell them what happened. Okay. That's where that story ends ever after that happened. The house was vacant for like 13 months and, um, they couldn't really sell it because there was a mass murderer there. They couldn't figure out if, it truly was a murder or, like, a demonic possession. He was the first person to really roll with the demonic possession sure. kind of alibi. And um, at any rate, the house ended up selling in 1975 to the Lutz family, which was George Lutz, his wife Kathy, and Kathy's three kids. So okay. George's stepkids. So uh, after the Lutzes got the house, the beginning of all of the paranormal stuff happened right away like it happened like the day that they moved in and didn't they get the house like super discounted because of the murder mm -hmm. okay yeah it was well it was eighty thousand uh dollars -huh. back in 75 which i didn't do the math i should have figured out how much that actually is worth but i know that it was super discounted because this was like a five floor house yeah. like it was it was a huge house right, right with right. like a like a pool and like a 
Like, it had, like, a, a ocean view. Right. Uh, the day that they moved in, the first thing that happened was the priest met them there to, I guess, bless the house. Just in general. Just, you know, whether or not there was a murder there, I'm sure that families then were just having a priest That's true. I've heard of people doing that. And, uh... As soon as the priest got there, he went upstairs to the playroom that, well, I guess they were going to call it the playroom, and he couldn't even go in there. Like, they don't know what happened, but as soon as he went up there and looked in, he, like, booked out of the house. Oh, that's a great sign. That was, like, the first thing that happened. And then, as soon as he left, one of the sons, uh, who was 10 at the time when they moved in, mm-hmm. um, they he went upstairs to put a box in the playroom, and there was, like hordes like four to five hundred flies flying around and this was like mid-december in long island like there was no flies that gives me the heebie-jeebies immediately this is actually also it's a badass motorcycle out there someone really had a point to prove so uh this is also the inspiration for the exorcist where all the flies were oh yeah that's interesting that came from the amityville house interesting and uh so it became a regular thing where there would be like 500 flies and you would go around killing all them and you would know that you just killed them and you go downstairs to go brag about killing the flies and you bring people upstairs to see and there are no flies, there's no bodies, there's no newspaper that you killed them with. Like it was just oh, a- so the dead flies would disappear? Yeah, like Ugh. almost like they were like ghost dead flies or something. Yuck. But there was like, they were nowhere to be found. Like you could smash them. Like, I mean, if you're killing 500 flies, like they're all over the room. And they're all gone now. Yuck. So another thing that started happening, I guess with the the guys in the house started becoming much more angry oh. and had much like, um, they got, they just, they just were really hyper aggressive. Like aggression? Yeah. And the girls were very like flattered and felt like loved in the house, like out of sense of peace. So they were almost like in a trance that everything was fine. Meanwhile, the guys were, like, getting really violent. And there was George, who I guess already had problems with the kids because it was his his stepkids. Mm -hmm. And he comes from a military background and never knew how to be a dad. So he was just, like, super disciplinary and strict and an asshole in general. Right. And um, so the tension between him and his stepsons already got, was getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And um, so their anger... I guess, in turn, fueled whatever energy was there, and things just it increasingly got more bad as time went on. Right. And uh, one of the things that George, the dad, experienced was he could never get warm. Like, there are accounts of them keeping that house as hot as possible. Like, the furnace was basically choking because they had so much wood in there, and they would have the heater all the way up, and, like... It would be like 100 degrees in a room because they were trying so hard to get it warm. And he would be like like wrapped in a blanket, like shivering. And if you, even if you were in that room, you could walk like five feet and there'd be like a 20 degree difference in the house. Like there were just cold spots everywhere. Ugh, how weird. Um, also at 3.15 a.m., which was the time that Ryan DeFeo killed all of his family. Yes. Was the same time that... Um, every night that they stayed in the house, George Lutz would wake up and he said that he either heard a giant door slamming or he would hear a gunshot or he would have woken up to like the sound of music or screams. Music or screams? Yep. Yikes. And, uh, 
he would wake up in weird places. Like when he woke up to the sound of a gunshot, he wouldn't be in his bed. He Ugh. would like be outside of his house Yuck. or he'd be like downstairs in the basement where like no one even went or, um, you know, the usual stuff. Just the standard. Just the stuff that happens all the time. Um, also, Kathy Lutz, the wife, she had a bunch of dreams where she was looking through Ronnie DeFeo's eyes and she witnessed how he murdered everyone and was able to give an account that the newspapers weren't even able to give. Oh, like details that... She was able to tell you, like, the chronology of who died in what order. Oh, what the yeah. hell? The kids, also, this was an, another part of, like, them being connected to, like, the DeFeo murders, is all of the kids... After, like, the day they moved in, all the way until they left, they all, once they fell asleep, they would, like, roll into the position of, like, whatever kid died in that bed. What? So, like, like if you walked around and I saw all the kids sleeping, they'd be sleeping in the exact position that a kid died in that same spot. Wait, like, the kids from the first yeah. family? Because he killed his two sisters and his two brothers. Oh. Like, he shot them. I should have said that. He shot them in their beds while they were sleeping. I had forgotten there were all those siblings, too. Yeah. So we shot them in bed while they were sleeping. And then the kids in the next family would sleep in the same position. As they died. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And uh, one time, the older brother, um, I guess it was a regular thing at this point that, like, the dog started to try to kill himself. The dog? Like, the family dog was, like, freaked out by stuff and would try to hang himself <gasps> with a chain. Like I've never he would heard like of such a thing. He would literally try to like choke himself. Like he would run while he was chained, knowing he was strangling himself, and keep running. Or he would try to jump over a fence if the chain was too short. That's and, so sad. And like once you like threw him over the fence to get him back to safety, he would do it again. Or um, uh, like they had a, a boathouse uh-huh. on the property, and the, they would watch the garage just slam up and slam down and slam up and slam down, and the whole family would watch it. Like, the whole family would have to work together to close it and keep it shut and, like, pull it down. That's awful. So one of the nights that they were doing that, I guess the oldest son and the stepdad, they were outside trying to close the garage door and then looked up into the window of the little sister's room and they saw what looked like a cartoon character of a pig with wolf-like teeth and laser red beam eyes. What? Yeah. Laser beam red eyes. Like, it just looked like a pig smiling at them with, like, wolf-like teeth. And so, being, like, the older brother, he ran into the room to see what happened and looked in the room, and his sister wasn't there, and the rocking chair was, like, rocking super back and forth, like, rocking back. So he said it looked like a cartoon pig? A cartoon character of a pig. And, And a pig, that description is usually in a lot of, like, demonic folklore. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. What, like cartoonish like like i have a friend who's a medium and has and only a couple instances has seen like a pig run by her but it's like it looks like a like you can't describe it but it's like a devil pig like it's like a pig that doesn't look like a pig but it has like weird like hooves and like it's really uh, fucked up i'm gonna have bad <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <clears throat> but so he saw so did two of them see that <clears throat> Both of them saw it, yeah. So it was the dad and the son? Yeah. Ugh. And they both ran into the room, and all they saw in there was the rocking chair moving back and forth. And then they, like, tried to figure out why the rocking chair was moving back and forth. And then they came back, like, 20 minutes later, and it was still rocking the no. same speed. Um, one, So the daughter, because there was two boys and a girl, the daughter be, uh, started having an imaginary friend. Oh, that's never a good sign. Especially in this kind of house. 
but the imaginary friend's name was the same as the one of the sisters that got shot. <gasps> and she was sleeping in the room that that little girl got <gasps> shot. Yeah. <gasps> That's so creepy. And it became a regular thing where, like, if they saw, like, their sister, like, through a window or in, like, in a way, like, through a mirror or something, there would always be, like, a, like a pig. <gasps> like behind her like if they looked really quickly they'd see a pig and then double take and it was gone or they would see like a little girl smiling with like laser beam eyes or they thought there was a couple times where she was possessed and when she would smile at them or no. turn around she had laser red oh, eyes God. this gives me the creep <laughs> i know oh it's so spooky. i've been wanting to do this for a long time uh they also found like green slime coming out of the walls oh i've heard about that like an ectoplasm kind of thing. Right, like I've heard of slime coming out of walls. Apparently the movies made it sound more like flubber exploded. You know what I mean? Like jello. <laughs> flubber. <laughs> but um but apparently it was more like a liquid, like a basically green blood. Yeah. And it was like seeping through, so they thought they had like water damage, sure. but it was green and sludgy. So they called it what they call it, like paranormal puke or something like that oh. i was like way to be creative in a okay. time of distress good one <laughs> um they also had the cold spots they had different people had dreams about different murders like the older son he had dreams about um watching the dog try to kill himself and then there would be like their roles always reversed in his dreams like he had this dream for like years even after they moved out of the house where like either he would be the dog trying to kill himself, or he'd watch the dog try to kill himself, or the dog would try to kill him. Or, like he just had every every night he had like the same dream for like almost all of his life. And um, God, so after um, it also started following the kids in the neighborhood. Like when they said that they were going to school, and they like would skip school, they could feel something like following them around in the neighborhood, and like. Ugh, it freaks me out. Like, yes. I know what it's like to feel stared at. I'm, ugh, yeah. it freaks me out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then after Christmas, which was only like a week later, because they moved in mid-December. Oh. Um. By the way, they only stayed 28 days in this house. Oh, so this was all really This was fast. all within four weeks. Oh, yeah. Like a whole February. You know what I mean? I get it. Okay. <laughs> but not uh, on a leap year. Nope. Uh... After they took the Christmas lights down, things got increasingly worse. Like, much more worse. Much more worse? Much worse. Much worse. Much worse. Much uh, worse. Gosh. I went to school, guys. So much milkshake in our system. I know. Uh, so it started with, like, this, like, crazy stench. Like, they said, like, foul, like, New York sewage stench in the whole house. Um, they also said that there was a crucifix on the wall that you could watch, like, turn itself upside down, <gasps> and the stench would come from that. Yep. And, uh, so because the stench was so bad, they regularly were going around trying to open all the windows, but there were some windows that would get stuck for no reason. And the oldest son was trying to, like, rip this window open, but it was stuck, and so he finally got it open, and he had his hands on the ledge... And when his brother turned around and said, did, or when his brother was behind him and said, hey, did you get the window? He turned around, he turned his head around to say, yeah, I got it. And when he wasn't looking and his hands were still on the ledge, the window went slamming <gasps> down on his hands and crushed his fingers like skin to skin. Like the bone was just gone. Like top, like the top skin of your fingers to the bottom skin of your finger were touching. <gasps> like totally fucked up his hands. Oh. <clears throat> so after that happened, like... It was, like, intentionally stuck on his hands because then 
like you could hear him screaming and the brother, the mom, the dad, the dad's friend who was there that day were all trying to move this window up and it was like not <gasps> going up. And then all of a sudden when they stopped trying to get it up, the window opened on its own. Of course. And the mom brings the son down to the kitchen to try to take care of his fingers. And as she's turned around about to get like, like ice out of the freezer, uh, he even he like so he told the story in the documentary and he you can tell it like still messes him up like he does not want to talk about it uh but there was they saw a full spirit apparition standing at the doorway looking at him and then walked towards him and his hands were sticking out over the table like he was sitting at at the chair his hands were over the table so they were like in the essentially like more out in the middle of the kitchen uh-huh. and the spirit walked through his hands and then sat down next to him at the table and he could see like the imprint of on the chair of the spirit sitting there. And as he was looking at the spirit, he like blinked and looked back at his hands and his hands were totally fine. Like bone was reconstructed, like everything was totally fine on his hands. And they didn't hurt anymore? No, his hands are totally fine. The only thing is his left pinky still has a hook in it, like still like kind of curves, but everything is, his hands were totally rebuilt and like literally like a blink. That and his, the spirit walked through it, and then he looked back at his hands, and they were fine. Ugh, that gives me the creeps, honestly. Okay, so that same kid, um, he... One of the other stories that he had was he remembers walking up the stairs to his room. Like, he had just gotten in a fight with the stepdad. And he was walking upstairs, and his mom was behind him, kind of chasing him to be like, Hey, come back. And I guess that negative energy was out in the house, and something, some invisible force threw him up the stairs. Like, oh. not pushed him down the stairs, but, like, almost, like, grabbed him by the legs while he was walking and dragged him up. So he went feet up, floating, thrown up the stairs. What the hell? <laughs> and the mom watched it happen, so she ran up to, like, get up there to see if he was okay. <clears throat> and she got there, and whatever had dragged him, he he says in his perspective, it, like, went into his body, and he felt possessed. He remembers not having control of his body, seeing his mom, and thinking it wasn't his mom. <gasps> and then when she went to, like, grab his arm to, like, see if she was, if he was okay, the, like, thing, the spirit that was in him went into her. And so he got the other perspective of it. Because it it left his body, went into her body, so he got to experience what it was like to have it in his body and then see someone with with it in their body, if that makes sense. So did he see himself or did he see his mom? No, he like says that he felt the spirit leave his arm and go into into the arm that was touching him into his mom's body and he could like see that she wasn't herself, like her eyes were glassed over and everything. So that was probably what he looked like before it transferred. Ugh. Um, and then it went away, but like they had that experience together. Uh, so they started having, I don't remember which happened first, but the news got involved at this point. Right. It was starting to get involved because I guess word on the street was like things were going on in that house. And it finally came down to day 28 where the whole family will still refuse to talk about what actually happened. And that was the day they left? That was the day they left. So day 28... Uh, the first thing that happened was it was at nighttime. Like everything was just as usually creepy. And then, uh, you know, people are still getting really, really warm and really hot and they're really aggressive. And the woman are like the little girl is still playing with her imaginary friend who at some point got her to go walk onto the roof of the house and say, you can be my friend forever. If you just jump. What? Yeah. 
her like imaginary friend who like was probably the daughter like her mom found her outside standing on the roof and like grabbed her and was like what are you doing and she was like jody said i could be your friend forever and, oh my god yeah and they didn't know that the daughter's name because i guess at the time they were minors so like you couldn't say who died or who got right. shot and the only way they knew is because the priest that went to their house to bless the house was friends with the DeFeos before the death and was like, your daughter is has an imaginary he friend, knew. the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you a quick question? How did they know that the kids were sleeping in the same positions? Autopsy as- reports. Oh, okay. Because the parents, like, the parents were totally in the know about the murders before they got this house. Right. And they asked to look at everything so they weren't, like, misled by the oh. realtor. Oh, God. Okay. Um... So the night that they left, it started with the boys, because they shared a room together, the two boys. Mm -hmm. They shared a levitating experience out of their beds. Mm -hmm. Like, they were in their beds, and the beds themselves were levitating and crashing into each other. Like, the the footboards were crashing into each other. And the craziest part is both of those beds were, like, they were stuck in sheetrock. Like, the bottoms of the beds were cemented into the ground, so there's no way they should have been lifted up and banging. Oh, my God. And uh, so they were, like, screaming for their parents' help. And apparently George Lutz couldn't get out of bed. Like, something was sitting on him or preventing him from getting up. So he couldn't leave the bed. He just heard his kids screaming. And uh, the mom was also levitating right next to him. And he was, like, grabbing her arm to, like, keep her from floating away. Yeah. And then he looked at her, and she had aged into, like, an old woman that looked like she was, like, 90 years old. <laughs> and it apparently took, like, an hour for it to go away. This is horrible. Like, imagine, like, thinking, like, just lying there. You can't get out of bed and you're stuck. You hear your kids screaming. You grab your wife because she's fucking floating. And then you look at her and she's an old 90-year-old woman. I am so creeped out. <laughs> Yuck. So eventually, uh, they all get out. <clears throat> and, or, like, he's able to get out of bed. And their phones aren't working, typical. And there's, like, static and they can't reach anyone they don't have cell phones they just have like the one house phone right and then he had an office phone in the basement and he went down to the basement to like and that phone was working and they called the priest and they were like can you come back like to bless the house like nothing's like all this stuff is happening right now and the priest was like why are you there <laughs> like like if everything you're telling me is true like why are you in that fucking house like i'm not coming to bless the house you get out of the house that's the real question like, yeah get the fuck out like why weren't you thinking oh yeah i should leave you know i mean legitimately i'm stuck in a year-long lease and if something even pulled my hair one time, <laughs> i'm gone i'm gone i don't care well that's what they ended up doing they um they grabbed the kids still in their night clothes they said like i don't even think they said pack a bag i think they just grabbed them and just got in the car and literally never came back like never went back like the house was just abandoned and um they moved to san diego to get as far away as possible and that's when all the tv deals started because when people were like hey you just bought this giant house in 28 days in like you're you left in Mm -hmm. the middle of the night like what happened and so the news started getting in into it and one of the news channels, like, they gave, the the Lutz family gave them the exclusive to be like, okay, you can do whatever you want with this, like, but we're trusting you to, like, do it tastefully and keep our kids out of it and all that. Uh-huh. And uh, 
so they did the exclusive. The girl who ran it, the reporter, she was really close with a lot of people in the parapsychology world. Right. So she knew, like, a bunch of the medium. She knew, like, the Warrens. Um, the, they also did, like, if you've seen the movie, like, The Conjuring or The, the Doll Annabelle, um, which are both things I'll probably be talking about at some point. Which are both things I've never seen because I'm a wuss. Oh, you should watch them. You should at least watch The Conjuring. That's a great movie. Not, and Conjuring 2 is even better. Not going to happen. The Conjuring is the only movie series where the sequel is better than the original. Really? Yeah. It's so good. Anyway, I'll get you to watch it. We'll see. Um, she knows everyone that's anyone at that time in that field. And they all go do an investigation together with a bunch of reporters. And lo and behold, nothing happened because people actually wanted proof. The only thing that happened was one cameraman who's been through, like, he went to, like, war zones and, like, went to really intense investigative, like, places. Like, places that they were, like, really shooting in dangerous areas. Right. He also wasn't a believer, but when he went into the house, he tried to go, like, on the stairs. And he couldn't go up the stairs. Like, something wasn't letting him go up the stairs. Like, he had, like, this gut feeling to not go up. Oh. And he also had, like, these heart palpitations that he'd never experienced. Excuse me. And, um, like, he... Like, it was just weird that, like, for him, who's so skeptical, like, even he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. But that was the only thing that was weird. And then a photograph that they got while they were there. I'm gonna just show it to you. So they got this photo. <gasps> Which I will post on our... Oh, you guys have to go look this up. I will, I will post it on our on our social media. I'm sorry. Everybody has to go look this up. If you're too lazy to go look at our social media, just type in Amityville ghost picture. No, look it up right now. And uh, they... It's, it's a picture. It's black and white. And over the banister, you can see a little boy looking I'm gonna have at the camera. Truly. And it's definitely a little boy leaning over. It, and uh, the... The thing about that investigation is there were no animals, there were no children, there was nobody but the investigative reporters and the people in the parapsychology field. And this that was in there. the seventies, right? This was in the seventies. So they're not like photoshopping shit. And this was on a film photo that they they I got this turn developed. It away. I don't want to look at it. Anymore. <laughs> they got it developed that same weekend, and that's like this is the closest thing to proof that they have, especially because when you put that picture next to one of the DeFeo boys that nope. got shot, it is that kid. Which is the other scary thing. I'm not kidding. That is unsettling. It's actually one of the... Um, this picture has been rated as, like, one of the closest things we have to evidence of ghosts. Really? Because so many people were at that house that night. I think it was, like, 20 people. And all 20 of them are, like, even the skeptics are, like, we took that picture that night. That picture is not doctored. We all saw that picture once it got developed. Like, it's the closest thing we have to proof that ghosts are real. I'm not kidding. If you're driving, don't look it up. <laughs> but honestly, fucking look it up. This is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Okay. Apparently, John Matthew DeFeo was the little boy who got shot by Ronnie. All right. And this is definitely him. I don't ever want to see it again. Okay. But everyone else has to go look at it. Um, so anyway, that was the only thing besides the guy with the palpitations. <laughs> you're still freaking out. It's really freaky. Um, that happened. Where else? Where? Oh, oh, oh. Before they fled, I thought this was really interesting, that George and Kathy, they tr before they tried to flee, they decided to have their own, um, like, I guess, blessing to, like, bless the house. Uh -huh. And they didn't really know what they were doing, I guess. Great. But 
they were basically just holding each other, saying the Lord's Prayer, just trying to get anything away from them. And you could hear them, you could hear multiple people around them shouting, uh, oh, it was something like, will you stop? Will you stop? But like, like really sarcastically, like, will you stop? Like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> like a sassy uh, ghost. Excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, I'm here to stay. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I mean, terrifying. If I were them, I would be like, no. Nope. Yeah, it's cool now. But yeah, and then George found a room in the basement that wasn't actually on the original blueprints of the house. And when he opened it up, it was an entire room painted red that the dog refused to go near. <gasps> like, you, like, you could drag that dog as hard as you wanted. It would not go near that room. Um, another thing is one time, well, because he was always so cold, um, he would tend the fire every night. George Lutz would tend a fire. Right. And uh, one time when he uh, tried to, I guess he was like stoking one fire and then putting heat somewhere else, he turned around and saw his wife, but his wife had changed shape again like instead of a 90 year old woman this time he was she was a demon with half of her head blown out like she had gotten shot by Ryan DeFeo oh Uh, god (laughs) uh, when closing the daughter's window one time um oh I already said this uh that Jody the little girl was like oh come live with me forever which I think is pretty terrible. In the snow, because it was mid-December, they would find, like, cloven hoof prints. No. Like, leaving their house every morning. What? Yeah. Like, on the doorsteps. Like, like the devil was going to work? In the yeah. <laughs> like, they were like, all right, I'll see you later tonight. Oh, and the other thing about the daughter, who was probably possessed at different times by the by the girl that once lived there. Um, she would constantly sing in her room and every time she'd left she would like be her normal self and not sing and then she would go back into the room and sing exactly where she had left off it was almost like that one room kept her in a trance and they found out later that that song was the only song that like jody knew before she died okay god yeah this just gets worse and worse yeah that's pretty terrible yeah, the only other thing I have to say is the Warrens, who are, like, the like the two big, like, mediums. Oh, he, well, the husband wasn't a medium. It was a husband and wife duo, and the husband was just, like, very well knowledgeable about all of this stuff. And his wife, Lorraine, was a medium, so they would they were known at the time as, like, the top demonologists who would go cleanse houses when priests couldn't even do it. Okay. And she said that this investigation at the Amityville house was the worst thing she's ever been to. And it was the closest to hell she's ever felt. And this was a medium who could, like, trance back and, like, go into, like, different times. Like, she was, like, crazy capable of doing a lot of weird stuff. And she said this is the closest to hell she ever felt. And uh, going into that playroom where even the priest wouldn't go in, she said that she saw, like, a hundred, like, shadow people staring at her, not letting her in the room. Wow. That's... All in a hard day's work. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Well, they say one of the, the a lot of people say that it might be the, um, the DeFeo, the ghosts of the DeFeo family that died there that caused all of this. But there's also a lot of talk of George Lutz before he even moved there being heavily into the occult. I've heard about that. And so they think that maybe he triggered something by being in a house full of so open and trying to. He probably was trying something, and he happened to be in a house of like six dead people anyway. And he probably, it was like, I think in the documentary they said it was like a magic trick gone wrong. Like, he thought he was doing something, and he didn't really know what he was playing with. And then he by opened something up. Yeah. 
So they think that's another thing. And the kids have all, in different documentaries, they've all kind of been featured. Um, and they've all said that they witnessed him doing things involving the occult in yeah, that house. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. And then the big thing about the Amityville Horror is either it's 100% true and all of this really did happen, which the entire family that lived there, they swore to the day that they died Yeah, that this happened. Um, but a lot of people think it was like a money-making scheme of they knew there were murders in this house. They lived there and then fled and said a bunch of ghosts were there. Um, and then they just wanted to make a bunch of money. But I feel like you wouldn't lay down $80,000 and never make... Like, unless you really thought this was going to be, like, a super profitable Agreed. investment. I mean, I've heard that, too, and it's just hard to believe that they would... Everything from the... I mean, you can't make this shit up. Like, everything from the the pig that looks like a cartoon yeah, demon yeah. pig in the window smiling and the fingers in the window. I mean, how do you even make all those details up and all the entire family corroborates it? Yeah, the whole family. I mean, but the other side to that is, well, they were all really young and you could easily, like, just sure. tell them what they saw. But I think, like... No 10-year-old knows what it's like to have a spirit go through your hands and reconstruct your fucking fingers. You know? Ugh. I mean, you can't make Or, like, up. like, I don't care how young I am. I would remember on my own a bed breaking out of cement and crashing into my brother's yeah. bed. Yeah. And if my mom was like, pretend that your bed hit your brother's bed. Yeah. So that we can be on the news. Yeah. And also, if you watch the documentary, there's a lot of skeptics i will say like oh well you know he just really hated his stepdad so he made mm -hmm. up this whole story to make his stepdad look like an ass or right things like that but i mean you can tell just by the way he talks like i don't you something happened to him that just made him like a very like he's like a very like tough new york guy of like oh no one can touch me like he just acts very much like he's shielding yeah he i mean just he Something happened to him. Like, I mean, the way that he acts, like, he he really believes it. I don't... Whether or not all of it happened, he really is convicted of this. You can see it. I mean, in that documentary, like, he is fucked up from that, too. Like, he will yeah. talk about it and be shaken, to Like, you can see it. There's points where he's like, I don't want to talk about he's, this. He's, like, near tears, and he's like, I can't. And he's a grown, like, tough New York man. Yeah. Like, like you don't, middle you don't guy. cry on command. No. Anyway, that documentary is called My Amityville Horror, and you can find it on Hulu. And it is creepy. I've probably watched it a hundred times. It's creepy, I'll tell you. Anyway, that's the Amityville Horror. All right, well, that is just, ugh, ugh. I'm gonna have nightmares. <sighs> Give me nightmares. I need some, like, sage up in here. We should probably get sage. We should probably. <laughs> With how much we talk we about this stuff. We sit in my house all day long. And I get to leave. This. I'm like, see ya. Exactly, and you leave me with Geo and the demons. All mm -hmm. right. All right, what are, what are we talking about? You know how I like to lighten the mood. I I love when you do. We're going to talk about a bunch of missing children. <gasps> All right. All right. So uh, this is a story about the Sodder children. Oh, wow. Someone someone sent in a uh, request for us to do the Sodder children. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'm going to pretend like I knew about that. Okay. We are. We are Thanks for the suggestion, guys. Who was it? I don't remember. Oh. But someone someone wrote in. Thanks, fans. This is what we're talking about. Look, see, we need these. We need these suggestions. So thanks. We got a so suggestion. There's at least one person who's very excited for what you're about to say. Love it. So George and Jenny Sauter uh, were a really respectable middle-class couple. They were living in Fayetteville, West Virginia in the 1940s. Cool. Italian descent, um, business people. They were well-respected, well-liked. 
Uh, they lived in a two-story timber house uh, two miles north of town and had ten children over, Jesus. I know, over a period of ten years, which today is just unspeakable, but, you know. It's unneeded. Really the opposite of needed. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so on 1945, Christmas Eve, the younger kids were really excited about some presents they had gotten from their older sister, so they asked to stay up past their bedtime, and their mom, Jenny, allowed it, like sometimes she did. Uh, right. It happens. <laughs> right. Okay. As a, as a mother of a dog, um, <laughs> I can say... Sometimes you let him stay up and open yeah, a gift. Sometimes. So they uh, stayed up and played with their toys, and she took the two-year-old daughter, Sylvia, and went to bed. Uh, so her husband and two oldest boys were already in bed, um, so everything seemed fine, but that night at 12.30 a.m., she heard the telephone ring. So she ran downstairs, answered the phone, and the woman at the other end of the line was someone she didn't recognize, asking for a name she had never heard of. And she said, you know, you got the wrong number. Oh, I hate that. I know. It's creepy. I hate that. Have you ever... No, you haven't. There's... Okay, one of the only movies that's ever really, like, messed me up was The Strangers. I... That's something I would literally never... (laughs) It's... Like, normally nothing scares me. The only thing that scares me is, like real life situations and the strangers is like a very real life thing is it like they're calling from inside the house no it was um so because you're never gonna watch it it starts with like they're it's a couple and they're in like a cabin by themselves typical obviously and well like they were like we're supposed to have got it's really like it's a long story basically they were supposed to be there to celebrate their engagement and then she awkwardly said no so like they, <laughs> I know. So they go to like this cabin that's like all romantically set up, and there's roses and candles, and so they're just like awkwardly like, you know, hanging out. But so someone knocks on the door in like the middle of the night, and you open the door, and she's like, "Is Tamra home?" Stop it! <laughs> and then like they're like, "No, sorry." And so they just like close the door on her, and like 20 minutes later, we hear a knock on the door, and through the door they hear. Is Tamra home? Stop it. And, <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, no, you already came by here. And she's like, are you sure? <gasps> and like, Ugh! and then it like freaks me out because then there's like three of them and then they're in the house and they were already in the house and Tamra or whoever that girl was, was like just a distraction, but there were already people. In. It fucks me up. Like I am so like, there's nothing that's more terrifying to me than like, than like things that can, can definitely happen. happen. <laughs> like things that can definitely in happen. In our dimension. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So hearing like someone call the phone and be like, is Tamra home? If someone, oh, I don't even want to say it out loud, but now I need to. If someone ever called me and said, is Tamra home? I would, I would cry like a baby. All right. Check our Twitter. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to release M's phone number tonight. No, no, no. I'd like you all to call <laughs> from unidentified numbers. Uh, God, there's, there's nothing creepier. I will never name my child Tamra purely Ugh. because of the strangers. If you really want to scare yourself, go watch the strangers. I don't. I don't. I wasn't talking to you. Oh. Okay, well, if you guys want to do it, it's, listen, it's... There it is. your own grave. All right. Anyway, so this, she answers the phone. The lady asks for Tamara, probably. Uh, Most likely. (laughs) Like, at this point. (laughs) Uh, All she hears is laughing and clinking glasses in the background, and she later recalled the woman's strange laugh, and that's all she could remember. Oh, there's nothing worse than a strange laugh. Awful. (laughs) Nothing worse. She hung up the phone, um, and before heading to bed, she noticed that the lights were on and the curtains weren't drawn. And that was strange to her because the kids always, the younger kids, that was their job before they went to bed. And every night, they would turn off the lights and close the curtains, and that was just standard procedure. So she saw that, and she thought, that's strange. 
Uh, she saw her oldest daughter, Marion, asleep on the couch and thought, okay, the younger kids probably just went up to bed in the attic and forgot to close the curtains. Right. At 1 a.m., half an hour later, uh, Jenny's woken up again by an object hitting the roof with a loud bang, followed by a rolling noise. And she's waiting. She's listening. Nothing else happens. She's like, whatever. She falls back asleep. Another half hour later, uh, so now it's 1.30 a.m., she wakes up smelling smoke. Oh, no. Yeah. So she gets up, uh, looks around. She sees that her husband, George's office, is on fire. Oh! Um, wakes him up. Their older two sons wake up. Uh, the parents and four of the ten children escape the house. And so it's Marion, the oldest, two-year-old Silva, Sylvia, the baby, and then the two older boys. So they're all outside. They're frantically yelling. So, wait, there's four kids of the ten. Yeah, so the four So six kids, of them are in the fire, presumably. Exactly. Okay. So they're all outside uh, screaming for the, the kids, the younger What good kids. parents, by the way, just stand outside the house and be like, come on. No, they, so this is what happened. They, they ran up to get to the attic and the whole stairwell was engulfed in flames. So they're oh. outside trying to get the kids to the window, hoping they can jump out. So they're screaming and screaming. Uh, they try to call the fire department, but the phone line's out, of course. Um, a That's driver, what happens when it's on fire. Yeah, well, you'll see. A driver saw the flames uh, while driving by, called from a nearby tavern, couldn't reach the operator. Finally, someone managed to get through to the fire department. But at the time, the way the fire department worked back then was that each firefighter had to call the uh, it was like a phone lot like a phone tree jesus i know so they had to call <sighs> the other firefighters to wake them up to tell them that there was a fire hmm. and only certain people could drive the fire truck so they were it was just a mess it took them hours well to get i wonder there. why that system is out of place now exactly so it took them hours to get there meanwhile george the father decided to climb the wall smash an attic window open hoping to get the kids out that's a real dad yeah he cut his arm open he planned on using their ladder which they always kept at the side of the house for the boys to climb up and grab the kids they went to grab the ladder it's gone they're like it has to be here magical somewhere. yes search all around the property nowhere the ladder is just completely gone there was a water barrel and they thought let's get the water we can try dousing the fire frozen over um they said, let's get the trucks. Maybe we can pull the trucks up to the house and try and everybody get up. The trucks, the engines are dead on both trucks. Oh. Um, so just, this is just a mess. So basically they have no choice. They're stuck. They're stuck outside. The firefighters are not coming. They watched the house burn down, collapse over 45 minutes. They just mm. thought, you know, my, our kids are dead. <sighs> so several hours later, the firefighters show up. Great. Yeah, uh, you really did your job there. They also had low manpower, I will say, because of the war. Yeah, let's blame the war. Yeah, so they didn't have many people, and they had to call each other. So around 10 a.m., the firefighters went in, told the family they hadn't found any bones, and they said, oh, that's normal if they had been burned up in the fire. So the parents are just devastated. Um, the next day, or recently after, the fire marshal's office conducted an official investigation, and the inquest determined that the fire was caused by faulty wiring. So they said it was an electrical fire. Okay. Soon after this, though, uh, they're trying to rebuild their lives, and the Sauter family starts to question certain aspects of the fire. They thought, if this, has, if this was an electrical problem, um, why were our Christmas lights still working when the fire mm. was going? They saw the Christmas lights on, and the electric the electricity would not be still working if it was an electrical fire um 
They also said they found the ladder that they had been looking for 75 feet away from the house at the bottom of an embankment. And there's... Oh, like someone tossed it out there. Yeah, it was just in a ditch 75 feet away from the house that nobody would have put it there. They always kept it in the same spot. Uh, A telephone repairman came by and said that the phone line had not been burned through in the fire, but had actually been cut. Uh, so by someone who had been who had been able to climb 14 feet up so regarding the children's bodies jenny the mom started to question the firefighters who said oh we didn't find any bones but that's normal um she said some of the appliances were still intact there were even books that were still like a dictionary that was still intact uh and other materials that would have burned if a body entire bones if a whole body can burn then like paper would burn exactly So she even took like took it upon herself to find animal bones and burn them. Um, Good, yeah. To see Scientific like, if there approach. was any way. And she said she tried and tried and tried. Nothing. She couldn't get them to disintegrate. Um, and she actually talked to a local crematorium, and the employee said that human body, human bodies will remain until burned at two thousand degrees for two hours, which is way hotter than any sort of house fire. Like you have to purposefully like there's no way a house fire could have burned. I like to think my mother would be this like involved in my death. I don't they like said, literally. Okay, so when Stranger Things came out, I until like last week was begging my mom to see Stranger Things and she refused to watch it and I was like, literally the show is about Winona Ryder being a better mom than you because her whole, she literally found ways to talk to her child through Christmas lights, and all I need you to do is watch an hour of the show, no. and you won't do it. You can't do it. Just like, for let's me. compare parents here. I like to think that my mother would be more Winona because you know Winona would have done this. Oh, Winona would. She would be like, "Let's burn animal bones." She would have been in the backyard with the lighter. I yeah. hope my mother would would put some sense into her to to do something like that. I think she would. I think if like there was a mystery involved. Yeah. My mother would be on top of it. I feel like our mothers would care enough to... Let's let's just pretend. <laughs> I really hope so. We're going to believe it either way. If I burn, your job is to tell my mother to try and, like, figure it out. I'll bring her the animal bones myself. Okay. And tell her that fact about the 2,000 degrees for two hours. She'll just listen to this episode and she'll know. Well, if she if she's a true fan, she'll listen and we don't even have to talk about it. That's true. That'll be the ultimate test. This is a message from beyond, Mom. This is the ultimate test. Just try. Just be there for me. Prove how much you love it. (laughs) Okay, so basically, it's sketchy. And so regarding the trucks that didn't start, George, the dad, believed that they'd been tampered with. Uh, Some people think the engines had flooded. So, in 46, evidence came out that the fire had been set deliberately. Uh, A bus driver said he had seen people throwing balls of fire, is what he called them, at the house. And when the snow melted that year, baby Sylvia found a small dark green rubber ball in the bushes around the house. And that was also interesting considering Jenny had woken up and heard banging on the roof and rolling. So that was kind of an interesting fact. Uh, Some people even claim they saw the children themselves. A woman uh, who worked at a diner said she saw them uh, the next day and had served them breakfast. Um, another woman said she saw them in a passing car late that evening and some other weird things in uh, October of 1945, two months before this happened, a visiting life insurance salesman, uh, was rebuffed by George. Like George said, I don't want to buy your life insurance. And the guy said that your house, his house would quote, go up in smoke and your children will be destroyed. 
Who said this? The life insurance guy? Uh-huh. He came by the house and George said, no, I don't want, like, go away. Whatever. It's a little ominous. Yes. Uh, he attributed this to all the dirty... Mar- oh, that's right. He... George had been uh, bad-mouthing um, Mussolini, who had been executed uh, the year prior. And uh-huh. so a lot of people... It's a big Italian town, and a lot of people were extremely upset by the way he was talking out about Mussolini. Uh, so that is another It's like thought. a Mussolini fan. Exactly. Some people thought that maybe, like, the Sicilian mob was involved. Gotcha. And people were oh, trying to The mob is much more up. realistic than a fan of Mussolini. <laughs> a Mussolini fan. <laughs> Don't you dare say that about How Mussolini. How dare you? So he claimed that his children would be destroyed, his house would be burned down. Another mysterious visitor who came by at that time, uh, who claimed he was seeking work, went to the back of the house and warned George that a pair of fuse boxes would, quote, cause a fire someday. George remembered this as being odd because he had just had the house rewired because they were putting in an electric stove. Mm -hmm. um, And he said that the electric company had told him everything was perfectly wired and perfectly safe. So the stranger showed up and said, oh, these fuse boxes are going to catch on fire. And he didn't know who he was. Just showed up. Um, Is there a theory that literally all these people were working together? That's nobody really knows. The thought is just kind of that that nobody can figure it out. I would put the muscle so far. I'd put the. Mussolini mob I would have I would imagine that each of them were pretending to be a different type of person so one could go in and cut the phone line or one could go in and mess with the power lines right. and one person could be life insurance and warn them and one person could flood the car and yes yeah. I would so imagine each person was somehow involved in the same organization it's definitely one of those things where it's if if this is true what they say a lot of people were for sure involved okay um so the weeks preceding the fire, the older sons had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway uh, and noticed that the people inside were watching the solder kids regularly as they walked home from school, which nowadays, if you tell your dad, oh, these people are watching me walk home from school every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You call someone. Your dad's going to go apeshit. Right. But back then, eh. <laughs> you know. They're probably not going to set our house on fire. We'll see. <laughs> Oy. So they hired this PI. Um... And the PI actually uh, figured out that the life insurance salesman who had shown up at their house was actually on the jury that uh, said that the fire had been an electrical fire. So they had like an inquiry into the whole thing. They had a bunch of jurors who had to vote on what, you know, they believed based on the evidence. Right. The PI found out that the guy who had shown up and threatened him was actually on the jury. So that's a little fishy. Mm-hmm. So the PI also found out that the local fire chief had told the minister that he had found a heart among the rubble, like a little, yeah, a little heart. And he said, I buried it in a metal box. So he was without giving it to the parents being like, you deserve your child's heart. Yeah. Their claim was that they didn't want to upset the parents. So I know. So he led the PI or whoever to the place where he supposedly buried this heart. They dug it up. Brought it to the funeral director. He examined it and said, in reality, it was very fresh beef liver that had never been exposed to fire and was recently buried. Oh, so like he needed to like cover, like almost like he told the story and then the guy was like, prove it. And then like that night he buried something to be able to dig up. Well, one of the theories is that the whole thing was planned and that he had hoped the Sodders would find the heart. So he told the minister and tried to make uh. it... 
uh, and so that the Sodders would be satisfied that their children did indeed die in the fire. Like, so they would, like, never, like, really think about it They wouldn't it again. question it anymore, exactly, and look into it any further. That's one of the big theories. Um, so the parents spent basically the rest of the, actually, literally, the rest of their lives searching for their missing children, who are missing to this day. Um, yeah, they're fully convinced, they were fully convinced, they've passed away since, uh, they were fully convinced that they're still alive. Um, after seeing a young girl in a magazine, it was a picture of a young ballet dancer, George, the father, was convinced that it was his missing daughter. Uh, he drove all the way to New York, drove to the school, demanded to see the girl. They wouldn't let him Ooh. dead end. Uh, in 1949, they did another investigation where they discovered some small bone fragments in the house. Or in, among the rubble. Right. Uh, they were sent to the Smithsonian, actually, and they were investigated, and they were determined to be human vertebrae, all from the same person, someone who had died aged 16 to 22. Uh, the oldest of the Sodder children who had disappeared was 14. Oh, yeah. So it's unlikely it came from him. Further, the ex it's a, they said it's possible, but they, the examiner also said that the bones had not been um, exposed to flame. So... Oh. They were like, where the hell did so, this So, like, this from? sounds like an organization, like, went in to, and put a fake body. It sounds in. planted. Yeah, a planted body. Yeah. So, since then, the Sodders put up this billboard. It's a famous billboard. They put it up at the side of the house and two more in other locations with pictures of the children and offers uh, of a reward. And those were up for decades. And they just waited and waited. They put up flyers. They uh, George spent his entire life traveling all over the country, following every lead he got, which was a lot. Uh, That's a dedicated parent. I know, I know. Wow. I mean, he was just devastated, and it's so tragic that he never figured it out. Um, George spent, yeah, his whole life looking for them. And one woman in Houston actually said that Louis Sauter, one of the kids, uh, had revealed his identity to her one night after too much to drink. Mm. She said that he and his brother Maurice were living in Texas. So when police finally tracked them down, the two denied being the missing sons. They said, no, that's not us. Um, although supposedly George Sauter, until the end of his life, uh, believed they were his sons and that they were... That's what that tells you. Like, I mean, from the kind of parenting that it took for them to keep looking for their kids, you'd imagine that they're good parents. So why would these kids not want to be around them? Well, one of the theories is that the only thing that they could kind of explain to themselves as like a way of dealing with it was that the Sicilian mob was involved and the kids did like knew how much maybe trouble or threat they would be if they so like to protect their parents yeah, they stayed quiet exactly that was the only theory that they could come up with so nobody knows i mean and one of the theories is that the Sicilian mob took them to italy and They've just never reached out and made contact and have. But how bad was this thing that he said about Mussolini? I don't know. Like, I mean, I mean, like, for all the bad things that we're saying right now about our government, like, would someone really go through all that trouble for one family? It's hard to tell. I mean, I know that the the city they were in was like all Italian immigrants, and you know, Mussolini was a dictator. So maybe he sent someone in. Maybe I mean I don't know. I just I wish I knew it. Like. I wonder what that, like, that comment had to be really brutal for that to be the family they targeted. Well, I think it was more also that he kind of made himself a target in the community. I read that he had a lot of arguments and bad relationships with people in town. Oh. I mean, the, the family was generally well-liked, but Like, he, they were the weakest link, basically. He had made enemies with people because he was very outspoken, very 
brusque and I think he had stepped on some toes and so gotcha it's not totally clear but a lot of people think he he angered the wrong people basically mm-hmm. um and they were in a, like an, a heavily Italian mm-hmm. part of the country so it's and terrifying it, yeah and it was a hard time for Italy so who knows you know who took it the wrong way um Probably the biggest lead that they got came from Central City, Kentucky. There was no return address. It was a postcard um, mailed in an envelope with a picture of a young man around 30 who had features that actually resembled uh, Lewis, the one of their sons, who would have been in his 30s at that time. Um, and on the back was written, Lewis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, lil boys. A90132 or 35. And no one. What? Asked. It's just a mystery. What? It's creepy. It's creepy. Was it like a picture of him like in distress or just smiling? Just a picture. They, you can see it actually. Um, we'll post it. Yeah. If you look up Lewis Sauter. But it's, it's just a picture of a guy in his 30s. I would imagine in your 30s, like either you're brainwashed enough to be staying with those people or you're crazy now too. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, One of the two. it's a wacky letter. Uh, so it says that, I mean, they, be, and you know, you don't know if he actually sent it, but that was, they believe, I mean, and they're holding on to every hope they can, but they believed. That's almost less comforting. It is. To like get a postcard with your possible child's face and then some weird, like ominous language. Yeah. Well, they sent a private, another private investigator to Central City, Kentucky to check it out. But he vanished, was never heard from again. They couldn't, they couldn't find him. Oh, my God. Like, like, they found him and hurt him? or Couldn't find him. Couldn't track him down. Um, so it's just creepy. And George, the father, he spent his entire life searching. He died in 1969. Um, Jenny and her surviving children uh, continued to seek answers their whole lives. Uh, they all passed away, except Sylvia is the only one. She was the baby. Yeah. She's the only one who survived the fire that's still alive. The only one, uh, John is one of the sons, and he was the only one who said, we gotta move on, we gotta, you know, we've spent decades looking. Right. We gotta just accept it. Right. Get on with our lives. But all the other children, he didn't talk about it, but all the other children and the parents spent their whole lives searching with the billboards and the, I mean, they followed. I mean, there's so many loose ends. So many. It's just a weird story. Like, there's so yeah. many missing, like, moving parts. Yeah. So. And, I mean, if you were that young if the oldest one was like 14 it's not like you had a grand plan to get away and actually pulled it off like someone had to help you especially someone all the people like to move a ladder or to cut a phone line like those are things that a 14 year old doesn't think about yeah like someone had to help and then for the fire department to be like oh don't pay attention like i i feel like there had to be maybe they made friends at school and those kids were actually also planted to kind of be like, hey, put these ideas in their head to get out or, hey, you know, make friends with them and then teach them how to do all this. And I don't know. Like, I mean, there's. And the crazy thing is the smallest kids were really small. So it wouldn't. There had to have been adults involved, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just especially with all the crazy things that happened with the cars that didn't start and. And like the the vertebrae of a person who wasn't even yeah. actually there and, and the didn't touch fire heart. and it's just all so weird in the phone call to yeah to tamatha what was her name tamra 
Tamara. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's spooky. Yeah. So anyway, they're missing. They're gone. They're still listed as missing persons and no one knows where they are. So That's a thinker. It is creepy. And actually, um, the way I learned for, uh, about this was from a lovely podcast called uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class. Oh, I follow them too. It's a great one. And that, they did a really good episode on this. So I'm probably not doing it all justice, but... It's just a creepy story. Creepy, creepy. That's something... Like, if if my history teacher ever taught me a story like that, I'd remember for the rest of my life. Oh, I would have gotten a five on that AP exam. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I didn't. Well, I mean, God, that, this was a juicy episode. It was. That was I just a really mysterious episode. Yeah, both of them have unsolved answers. If you guys know the answer to any of these mysteries, please write in and... Uh, <laughs> Let us know what happened. If you're one of the solder children, write in. Oh, that'd be fun. And, and don't reach us in any other way. <laughs> <laughs> Just send us a Facebook message. Just send us a Facebook message and then leave us alone. Anyway. Spooky. So if you guys have a story, we are compiling a list. We got a bunch of great ones. But if you have any more, please send them in. We will cover them. Uh, the more, the better. And the juicier, the better. Exactly. We, and honestly, the more disturbing, the better. Exactly. We want the creepy, creepy stuff. So yeah. Whatever you got, bring it on. And we look forward to hearing from you. Have a good time drinking until next time we talk. Please do. And don't forget to subscribe. Please give us a rating. Yeah. We're still desperate. We need a lot of attention, just like my dog. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, guys. talk to you another time. All right. See you later. And that's that's why why we we drink. drink. Bye-bye. Bye. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.